Hi everyone! Some days we can feel distracted, have a foggy brain and find it hard to focus. This is when I reach for Adaptogenic Coffee by London Nootropics. I love their flow blend to help give me mental clarity and focus. And guess what? It's made with lion's mane mushroom and rhodiola. You can order online at londonnootropics.com with code HARVEST for 20% off. I hope you enjoy it too and find your flow. Good news, you'll be able to try the different blends at Harvest in Kaplankaya this May. It's still time to book your ticket for an event with fabulous speakers, workshops, healing modalities and live music. You can register at harvestseries.com. See you there. Welcome to another episode of Harvest Series, a podcast following a four-day experience in Kaplankaya on the southwestern Asian coast of Turkey, filled with fascinating talks and workshops to harvest knowledge and nurture the planet, an event produced by Athena Advisors and Capital Partners. My parents were Holocaust survivors, and what I learned from them was that they had a lot of love and joy in their life. I mean, the lessons, I think, you learn from situations like the Holocaust is from ashes comes rebirth. You know, they knew each other for two weeks before they decided to get married. The first thing they wanted to do was have children. You know, it wasn't about retribution. It wasn't about revenge. It was about how do we create a new life? And you see that in nature all the time. There can be a fire and you see the little baby grasses grow and then the bushes and the forest. Life wants to reemerge. And that's the story that I love to tell. I'm Rose, a French journalist based in Barcelona. And this episode is an interview made in Caplancaya with Louis Schwartzberg. He is an award-winning cinematographer, renowned for his time-lapse technique, whose career and films have inspired millions of viewers. He is a director of Fantastic Fungi and released his new movie, Gratitude Revealed. I wanted to know, after a Fantastic Fungi, how did the idea emerge of making a movie about gratitude? That's a great question. Well, part of it was practical because during COVID, I wasn't able to go out and travel and film. And I'd been working on this idea about gratitude for 15 years. I actually did a TED Talk on gratitude back in around 2014. And, and YouTube, I think, just started. But what I didn't realize is that they would put it on YouTube because it was really what I made was a trailer for the movie. And I didn't want to go public, but it went public. Okay. But then eventually it went viral and it got almost like 20 million views. So I figured, wow, there's something there. And so over the course of 15 years, off and on between projects, I've been shooting stories and interviews with people that are either famous, you know, thought leaders, or also just remarkable but ordinary people. So during that period of COVID, I went into my library And I finally put together, you know, the expanded version of what I've always wanted to do was to make a film about gratitude. I'd heard uh, a talk by Brother David Stendhal Rost. He's an uh, Austrian Jesuit priest. And those words really inspired me. And I learned to use gratitude as a practice every time I feel bad. And so I put that short together. And then the short now has become a movie 
But here's something that's kind of special. It's only after I made the movie that I really realized the connection between Fantastic Fungi and Gratitude. The connection is similar to like in when people go on psychedelic you know, journeys, they have this incredible journey of learning about nature's wisdom, a personal aha moment, but then it doesn't mean anything unless you learn how to integrate it. So it's the next day you do the integration. How do you take that wisdom or whatever insight did you learn for yourself and bring it to your relationships, bring it to your family, bring it to your workplace, bring it to your community, bring it to, to the world. So if Fantastic Fungi was a journey beneath the soil to learn about this beautiful mycelial network, a shared economy where ecosystems flourish without greed for life to flourish, gratitude revealed is a journey into the human soul because you need to be able to take that wisdom from nature and figure out how to use it in your life. How did you apprehend making a movie about a concept after making a movie about something so earthy as mushrooms? Well, basically, you know, I make films that celebrate life. So whether it's nature or people, it's really the same thing because we are nature, right? Okay. And so um, there really is no difference in the way I look at things. I mean, I love to tell stories about plants that are resilient, you know? people that are resilient. I love to tell stories about people who overcome adversity, but have hope and joy because my parents were Holocaust survivors. And what I learned from them was that they had a lot of love and joy in their life. I mean, the lessons I think you learn from situations like the Holocaust is from ashes comes rebirth. You know, they knew each other for two weeks before they decided to get married. Um, the first thing they wanted to do was have children. You know, it wasn't about retribution. It wasn't about revenge. It was about how do we create a new life? And you see that in nature all the time. There can be a fire and you see the little baby grasses grow and then the bushes and the forest. Life wants to reemerge. And that's the story that I love to tell. You say like, thanks to your parents, uh, you have uh, the resilience gene in you. That's why you're so attached to nature because nature and you are resilient. I think that's true. You know, If you think about the fact that, you know, you know, my parents were from Poland. One out of 10 Jews survived after that. So in a way, um, I think the DNA I have is resilient. But also I'm learning recently about intergenerational trauma and the fact that, you know, it's easy to carry these feelings of victimhood. Um, I have a sister who passed away a couple of years ago, but her life was ruined by feeling like a victim. It's probably harder for her because she was a woman, you know, but she was never able to like, she identified so strongly with my parents that she always took on the idea of being a victim. And we've learned, I've learned recently that no matter how unjust something is, if you see yourself as a victim, you're hurting yourself, even when it's justified. Because, right, you're just living in, in, in misery and living in, in pain. You have to be able at some point to let go. And gratitude is one of the ways to do that, actually, because you look at what, what can I be grateful for? Yes, somebody said something bad to me. Yes, somebody, you know, crashed into my car. You know, <laughs> whatever shit happens in your life, yeah, yeah. stuff happens. But if you have a way to be resilient, to be able to bounce back, gratitude is one way. So what can I be grateful for? Well, guess what? My, my fingers move. I can breathe. I'm looking at a beautiful woman. There's something I can figure out that I can turn that switch off of thinking negatively and I try to think positively. And that helps you stop 
that rumination, that, that thing that goes on in your head over and over in the circle. And the more you think ne- negatively, the more it becomes ingrained in your brain. So being able to shift is a baby step. It's not the answer for every problem, but it's a baby step I think you can take to go in the right direction. So you're making the conscious choice of uh, being optimistic? Yes. You are deeply an optimistic, but by choice, not by I, nature. Yeah. I think that um, even if you're not naturally optimistic, it's the only choice there is. I mean, you can't give up, you know. Um, think about this. If we're both in a boat and water is coming into the boat and we're like 100 you know, meters from shore, the pessimist is going to say, we're going to drown. We're in trouble. <laughs> an optimist might say, you know what? I think we can swim. I think we can make it, you know. Who do you want to be with? What choice are you going to make? Yeah. Are you going to say we're screwed yeah. and we're going to die? Or are you going to say, I'm going to go for it? We're hardwired, I guess, to survive, right? And so you might as well be an optimist. And I think life is about optimism. I mean, my God, every story you see about nature, every time you see a little piece of grass growing in the sidewalk, in a crack, there you go, right? Yeah. I mean, look at this plant right here. I hope it's real. <laughs> it's real. It's a real one. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the stamina it takes to grow in this little pot inside of this hotel, I admire that. You know, wow. it gives me inspiration, right? So um, how can I not be an optimist? Because every cell in my body is similar to every cell inside that plant. Optimistic is the only choice to make for Louis. But sometimes we forget about it, or it seems too hard to be optimistic. In Kaplankaya, one night, Louis presented his movie Gratitude Revealed to the people of Harvest. One of them, a beloved attendee, was very touched. I guess Louis' talk and his new movie about gratitude. Um, I mean, it is such an obvious thing that we all know that we should practice gratitude. But it, it reminded me of something that had a big impact in my life when I was in a place in my life where I really wasn't happy. And it affected everyone around me. It affected my children, my husband, my marriage. And a very simple life lesson was to just look at everything positive, everything that was good in my life. Overnight, literally, everything became good. I ignored everything that wasn't good and just focused on everything that I had, which was so much when you looked at it. And ever since then, that is just part of the way I live my life, no matter where I am. Wow. And the movie was for you. So the movie was just a... a, a reminder and and it's something that is so fundamentally important which you know even looking at my children my daughter all day has been complaining about things and uh, I want to show her the movie and you know I'm just trying to get her into the positive she's just focusing on the negative the whole morning you know the fight with the sister the unfairness in the family the da -da 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 -da. and instead of just looking around you know where we are what we are doing and uh, how much joy that we could have every single day. What are the reactions you have, you get, after uh, showing your movie to people? Which one? Gratitude or fun Gratitude. gratitude. For gratitude? 
Well, people say they, they laughed and they cried a lot. Yeah. And um, I think that's good. I, I feel that the film doesn't tell you like how to live your life. It's not preachy. But when you see examples of other people that are extraordinary, who have overcome adversity, it touches something deep inside of you. And it forces you to, to make connection or context. Like, what can I learn from that? You know, what can I, how can I integrate that into my life? And a lot of times we're so disconnected from our inner voice, our inner soul, that it triggers that connection. And that sometimes makes you cry because it's like a homecoming. So it's like the feeling you get when you've been traveling and you finally come home to your own bed. You get this like home warm feeling. You almost cry for joy to be home. Yeah. I think sometimes we miss being inside of ourselves. Do you have a special scene uh, in the movie that really uh, touched you when you filmed it? Oh, boy. Um, well, they're all magic moments. The one with uh, the Appalachian woman, she's like weaving a big rug. And she's talking about how she works in rows back and forth and her, you know, Albert out in the window, it goes back and forth. And she yeah. talks about the, how that's her form of meditation. It's so spiritual because she's like this earth mama, yeah. but she's like an Appalachian earth mama. She's not a new age earth mama. She's like a, you know, pioneer from Kentucky. Yeah. Right? And um, she just inspired me so much. And she was able to make such a beautiful poetic statement while she was just like working and connecting the inside to the outside. I was also um, touched by uh, the person who says like, what were the chances uh, in the cosmos that um, I was chosen? I, I win a lottery ticket to be on earth. And oh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. really found so much well, joy and it's, it was very that, deep. That's a good one too, Alex Gray. Yeah. It's like, how can you not be grateful? You got a ticket <laughs> from the lottery. You got a ticket to come to the party, yes. to be alive, to be here, to be born. You got yeah. a ticket. Like, How could you not be grateful for that? How can you not be happy about that? It's a wonderful way of looking at it because what a gift it is to be alive. Yeah. Don't take that for granted, you yes. know? And the fact that every day you wake up and you're alive, don't take that for granted. We all know things can change, right? It's only when things go bad that you become grateful. You realize that you didn't appreciate the things that you have, like the pandemic, for example. Yeah. We couldn't have dinner with your friends and family. We took that for granted, your health. We take that for granted until you get sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the most important things in your life. And when it's, when it's gone, that's when you realize how you important realize. it is. You said it was not easy to release a movie about mushrooms. Right. Uh, after the success of a Fantastic Fungi, was it easier this time? It's easier because I'm distributing it myself. And I never had done that before until Fantastic Fungi. And so I haven't tried to go to a distributor Because to be honest, I know it's a hard sell. Who wants to, in Hollywood or in entertainment, you know, show a film that's about people saying what they're passionate about and, and how to have joy in their life? Because most films are about conflict, are about violence, um, about revenge, about fear, you know, yeah. because they, the current model is they know that sells tickets and that makes money. So I've decided to, I don't want to, you know, go down that path anymore. Why fight the resistance? How about I throw my own party? If I'm not invited to that party, <laughs> I'll do my own party, right? And the value of that in today's technology and today's world is I'm able to build my own community. I'm able to, you know, I don't need to have like 100 million people show, you know, see the movie. 
I can have a small community and then it grows virally because the only way anything does become popular today is viral and social media. It's the same thing that the studios use. They don't, I mean, the big budget movies will spend a lot of money on advertising, but if they don't have good word of mouth, they're dead, right? Yeah. So why not just go for the word of mouth from a small group of people that can then talk to a larger group of people? It's what, what's what Harvest is about. Yeah. You've got a bunch of people here that are, you know, influencers in a way, and they're going to spread that word. They're change agents. That's the way I think it works in today's world. And your freedom is, um, sorry to ask, financially viable? <clears throat> well, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is with Gratitude Revealed is I made it little by little over the course of like, you know, 15, 20 years. And I had a lot of the beautiful nature stuff in my library. So it didn't cost me a lot of money. Um But I feel that, again, the same thing. If, if you're going to take the risk and, and use social media, for example, to promote the movie, and you're willing to do it organically, you do it a little bit at a time, you don't need to have a lot of money, which is the old-fashioned model of you know, putting on any kind of a product, especially a movie, like Hollywood does. Because they have, if it's $100 million to make, they need $100 million to market it. You know, And I think that's a a failed system that will eventually continue to collapse. Louis Schwartzberg celebrates natures in his movies, like Avatar, but definitely his budget was far away from the hundreds of millions that cost James Cameron's movie. If you'll find no Hollywood A-list actor in Louis' movies, you would still get some special effects and emotions. We are all born with openness for mystery. What is this tiny blink of an eye that we call life? To be alive in itself is just such a great gift. You have been given a chance in the cosmic lottery. You got a ticket. I'm grateful that I'm just here, just here at all. Ultimately, gratitude is a way of life. We don't know how we got here, we don't know why we're here, and we don't know where we're going. We bless our food, we bless our house, we bless our friendships. The journey is into oneself and into the meaning of being. We are slowly coming to realize we are all human and getting more in touch with our kinship. It's about how to become a better human being, a better human being. I see gratitude as a route to a happy life. See, there are things that What today are you uh, grateful for? I'm grateful for all the remarkable people I get to hear speak here at this conference yeah. and to learn so much about things I don't know and to be inspired and to hear a diversity of, of opinions and concepts from people from all over the world. I mean, especially here, there are a lot of people, not only from Europe, but from Turkey, from you know, all these other countries that are surrounding Turkey. It's like, it's very amazing 
and and to see that there are people here that are from Ukraine or from Russia as well, you know, because all I hear is that, you know, the news I get in America is about the war, but I get a different perspective, I believe, from listening and talking to people that actually are from those countries. We are destroying a lot of uh, nature right now, chopping trees, building, polluting. Does it make you sad sometimes? And is it your way to fight against this, making movies, even if you're an optimistic? Yeah, I feel that um, looking at the degradation, the environmental degradation, is something that I, I want to fight against. And it does give me energy and makes me want to, you know, inspires me to do something. But I don't want to have that make me feel despair. Yeah. Or And I think that's been the problem to be honest with the environmental movement and the messaging, we put the science in front of people. Oh, you know, the ice cap is melting. You know, we're losing all these species and people come become depressed about all of that. What we need to do, I believe, is to open people's hearts by, you know, turning them on to the beauty of nature and that will change their behavior. For example, I know you got this paper in your hand. If I told you that you have to recycle, that's not going to work. But if you love trees, it's hard for you to throw away that piece of paper, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so we can't just give this the stats of like how many trees are being cut down and how much the forest is being cut down. We have to, I think, have a different form of messaging. I mean, I'm a filmmaker, so I'm, I'm more aware of the messaging and I'm aware of how I can use my imagery to shift consciousness. And when you shift consciousness, you shift behavior. I mean, look at Earth Day. Happened, there was the biggest... Yeah. global event, protest, celebration of people, millions of people in the street in 1970. It's more than 50 years. Why haven't we changed? Hmm. We talked about renewable energy. We talked about recycling. We talked about pesticides. We haven't changed. So it's an example of how we need to have a different approach to communicating the environmental degradation. I think you have to be a warrior. I think you have to fight but we have to do it in a different way. You are um, helping the young ones to see uh, the beauty of uh, nature. I was very interested in uh, this in initiative. Yeah. Uh, you shared with us some videos about animals uh, or nature living together and collaborating. Are animals and videos two good tools to remind important values to children who are exposed to so much um, digital violence today? Absolutely. I mean, if you're a teenager today, think about the fact that Look, we all had peer pressure growing up, right? Yeah. Um, I guess when I was young, I would talk on the telephone to girlfriends, you know? <laughs> and that, and you wanted to have that acceptance. So now, unfortunately, with digital media, you know, you've Instagram and Facebook and whatever. I mean, young people, you know, look for that validation by having hundreds or thousands of friends, which is not real, you know? <laughs> and, and, then, and it also can be used against them. So... Look, we all want to have that kind of acceptance. The other thing is organized religion is fading, which is a fact. So what is going to be the moral compass for young people going forward? And young people don't want to listen to their parents. That's good. It's a natural rebellious thing. I think like every this, yeah. young person should reject the, the, <laughs> the previous generation just to keep everything honest, you know. <laughs> But nature is a perfect way of, of teaching, I believe, you know, a moral lesson by looking at how nature works, like symbiosis, you know, the fact that one uh, animal helps another animal, and that there's relationships, there's connection, 
you, it, it's beautiful because all young people and children especially love to look at animals. We're hardwired to do that. It's so cute. It touches our heart. But when you understand the relationship and their behavior and you see how they all help each other, and the last thing you're going to find in the animal or plant world is greed and selfishness and individuality. It doesn't work. Nothing lives alone in nature. It's all about community. It's all about connection. So we often oppose uh, technology and uh, nature, but thanks to cameras and screen, uh, you're able to <clears throat> deliver your beautiful messages about nature. Uh, so do you embrace new technologies or do you stay picky about the different technologies? No, I love new technology. I think that it might be the only answer to bring the beauty of nature into places where, and, and communities that are never going to have access to it. I mean, the reality we heard today is more than half the population on this planet lives in the city. How many people can afford to go to Machu Picchu or to Tahiti or to the Galapagos Islands? I, I mean, the reality today, let's be honest, you have to, I think, be wealthy. Um, you have to have time. You have to be healthy because traveling is difficult, even if you have money and time, right? And so we got to bring these beautiful places because these beautiful places that are sacred are also disappearing because of climate change and commercial tourism. These sacred places are a spiritual path, I believe, to how to live a beautiful life. And we need to make that available to everybody. And it's a way, to, I think, to turn on young people because I know, for example, in Los Angeles where I live, you know, in, in some communities in the inner city that are marginalized communities, they've never gone to the beach. The beach is only 10 miles away. Um, because they're not turned on by that. So if they can watch it on their phone and see a beautiful time-lapse flower or a slow-motion shot of a wave crash, if that can turn them on yeah. to where they will eventually take the initiative and go to the beach or go to a park, stare at a tree, whatever it takes, I'm all for it. And let the nature, as you say, uh, do what it does the best, like seduce you? Yep. <laughs> well, seduction is really good. So we're hardwired, I think, to fall in love. Do you have children? Yes, two. Okay. Eight and, to ten, yeah. And do you love them more than anything else? Of course, yeah. Did anybody teach you how to do that? No. no. It's in your soul. It's in your DNA. So that's why, you know, as I said in my talk, puppies are, every puppy is cute. Yeah. <laughs> every kitten is cute. I've got a puppy too, yeah. <laughs> every baby cute? Yeah, true. And they're cute because... You know, we want life to go forward. Life wants us to nurture babies and kittens and puppies to grow up so that life can go forward. And we're hardwired to do that. And how does it do it? Beauty. Yeah. It's a secret weapon. It's really cool. Yeah. Because everything in, in the world wears out or dies. You know, even the mountains wear out. The sun will wear out. So what a beautiful thing that life invented reproduction overcome things wearing out and perpetual energy i mean you're just a tiny tiny chain right in the link of ancestry called the human species and human species have only been here for a fraction of a second in terms of life on earth but it's a continuation of life life is a force of energy after mushrooms and gratitude what's <clears throat> going to be your next topic yeah what can you talk about um <laughs> I'm going to do a film about wonder, wonder and awe, because I think wonder is the intersection between art and science. Mm -hmm. And when you feel wonder, 
you become present. And when you become present, you appreciate and actually engenders gratitude for what you're observing. So I think the scientist and the artist, they're both trying to explain what is the world, what is the universe. And scientists talk about like maybe how it works, and the artist says why it works. Let's uh, ask you the question I'm asking to every guest uh, for this podcast. It's uh, the great harvest of the day. If if something could be done like easily, something simple or easy and would make the world a better place, what would it be for you, Louis? Wow. Um, well, given that it's called harvest, I would say plant a tomato plant. Grow some food in your garden. And if you don't have a garden, you can just, you know, grow a tomato in a pot on your porch because what you're going to do is it'll, it'll connect you to the fact that, you know, plant life is the only solar collector that can take light energy and turn it into food. You teach your children where your food comes from. It doesn't come from the grocery store. And you're also helping the pollinators by having plants that the bees can pollinate because without the pollinators, no plants, no plants, no food, no food, no life. It's something easy that everybody can do. I say grow your own food, learn where your food comes from, and have a spiritual, emotional connection to the food that you eat. That'll make you healthy and strong. Thank you very much, Louis. My pleasure to talk to you, Rose. I hope you enjoyed this episode and Louis Schwarzberg's vision of life nature and resilience, as well as why he's making movies. If you did, please leave us a good review and follow us on Instagram, Harvest Series. All of our podcasts are also filmed to tune into these videos as well as videos of speakers on stage. Visit youtube.com slash harvest series. Next episode will be with Rodo Escalante. Rodo suffered from autism and he will be sharing his journey to live without medication, thanks to breathing. Don't miss the episodes. Until next time, 